what it is to worship the Lord. And uh, I've learned a few things. I thank God for that. And uh, I want to be a worshiper of God, don't you? I mean, I want Bible worship. Amen. I'm not interested in Hollywood worship. I'm not interested in pretend, make-believe. I want the real deal. That's what I'm interested in tonight. Real Bible worship. And there's a lot of things, I'll just say this without getting maybe too far out in the, in the weeds right here, but there's a lot of things that go on in this world in the name of worship. That's not real Bible worship. If you don't line up with the Bible, it's not worship. We live in this time nowadays where if you point out a, a fault with something somebody's doing, then they call you a Pharisee and they say, you can't put God in a box. That's their big, that's their big thing they say these days. You, you're trying to put God in your box. Well, no. I'm just saying that God's going to do things according to His Word. And if it's not according to His Word, He don't do it like that. Amen. I'm gonna, I'll get out in this too. You know, maybe not being on Facebook, that might be liberating. There's this, uh, there's this movie, this uh, Jesus, what's that thing called? The Jesus Movement? Something like that. It's a movie that's going on. And it's about the Jesus people from the 1970s. They called them Jesus Freaks. And it was a charismatic movement that came out of the Roman Catholicism and the Presbyterian Church and came out of Ashbury College. That might sound familiar to you in the 1970s. And a lot of people are flocking to that, watching that movie and propagating those things. I'm going to tell you something about that. Uh, that, that, bunch, that bunch that came out of that, that Ashbury revival in the 70s and that started that Jesus movement, it's a big movie right now. They, they believe in speaking in tongues. They believed in women preachers. They believed in miracle healings. They believed in a lot of things that were not scriptural. And I'm telling you, you mark it down, the devil don't play fair. And he knows that he, knows that he can put, he, he, hey, he'll transform himself into an angel of light. Put, put, put Jesus' name on something and sell it to people. And sell it to people in order to deceive them in doctrinal error, get them in doctrinal error. So anyway, just take that for what it's worth. Be careful. Be careful. And I tell you, I hate, I don't want to be, I, I do not want to be one of the hypercritical brethren. I'm not that way. You know me. I'm not hypercritical. Uh, but I do believe in being biblical. I believe in being biblical. Anyway, we're interested in what, let's see what God's word said. John chapter number 12, verses 1 through 8. The Bible says there in verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Where Lazarus, which was, uh, Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Can you imagine? Let me just pause right there and say, can you imagine sitting down next to a man that had been dead the week before to have supper? <laughs> How you doing, Lazarus? Boy, I'm a lot better than I was last week. Bless the Lord. <laughs> and there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. 
Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then Jesus, uh, then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and when they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he'd raised from the dead. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd touch and help in the service time tonight. God, I pray that you'd anoint us with your spirit. I pray, God, that you'd touch each and every one that's made the effort to come this way. Lord, help us to learn something about Bible worship tonight. We'll thank you for everything that's done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thinking about back today about what we had already learned about uh, when it comes to Bible worship. We've learned out of John 4 that you can't be mad at your brother and worship the Lord. We've learned that you must deal with and leave your past behind if you're going to worship the Lord. We've learned that the worship of the Lord has very little to do with the tradition of man. We've learned that the worship of the Lord is spiritual. It requires balance. It's enhanced by pain. And last week we learned that worship is forever connected with the grace of God. And so tonight, I want us to look here in John 12, and I want to share with you a few thoughts tonight, Uh, and we'll think upon this fact. The fact is that in this greatest act of worship that maybe is recorded in the entire Bible, it was personal and it was intimate. That's my last point. That's my life's thought that we're going to deal with tonight. If you're going to worship God, it'll be personal and intimate. So I want us to look tonight at this woman who, by the name, of course, of Mary, who anoints the Lord with this spikenard very costly, takes her hair and wipes his feet and Maybe for a minute I could encourage you tonight to get at his feet a little while and worship him. Because certainly he's worthy of our worship. We see three people here in this story. We see Lazarus. He's a picture of a fellowship in saint. Then we see Martha, who's a picture of a serving saint. But then there's Mary. Mary is not seated at the table Mary is not working in the kitchen. Mary is at the feet of our Lord, anointing his feet with oil and using her hair to worship him. Now, something that interests me in this story is the connection here with the the fragrance. The Bible said that when she broke that alabaster box of ointment, that the fragrance filled the house. It's interesting to note that we deal in the Bible when it comes to worship with a smell. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says there in 2 Corinthians 2.15, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. Did you know that smell is one of the strangest senses in the entire body? I tell you, say something about smell. Uh, Gabe has a new water bottle, and it's just got water in it. That's all it's got in it, but he'll buy different uh, caps to go on it. One of them smells, you know, like watermelon, and another one smells like grape. And when you go to drink the water, it tastes just like grape. You go to drink the water, it tastes just like watermelon. I, nothing in the water. It's just water. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, olfactical illusion. You smell the smell. I'm getting ready to bust some of y'all's bubble. Did you know that Skittles do not have a flavor? Did you know that? Skittles don't have a flavor. Next time, open you a bag of Skittles. I meant to buy a bag. I was going to bring them tonight. Stick them in your mouth and hold your nose. And you can't tell if you've got a lemon. You can't tell if you've got a cherry. You can't tell if you've got a grape. Because they all, they all taste the same. They've got the exact same ingredients. They have sugar. I mean, they're sweet. They do have a taste in that they're sweet. But it's the smell that they spray them with that makes you think, oh, well, that's a grape. That's a grape Skittle, or that's a cherry Skittle, or that's a lemon Skittle. Some of you don't believe that. Go try it. Buy you a pack of Skittles and hold your nose and close your eyes and have somebody put a Skittle in your mouth and you see if you can tell them what flavor it is. I'm telling you, you can't tell them because you can't smell it. It's all about the smell that they spray on those things. So smell is very closely related to the way we think. Did you know they say smell? is the, one of the most relatable things to our memory that there is in the world. You smell kettle corn. Immediately you think about Dollywood. Because you relate that. Now tonight I bought a couple of uh, air fresheners. I stuck them in the wall. One over there next to Brother Jason. One over there right behind Miss Wilma. And you might have smelled those when you came in. They're not very strong. I didn't smell them. I should have bought some more. So we really got a smell going. I was afraid to buy too many. I was afraid everybody would be like, I got no sick headache from that smell. I know how some of you women are. Hey, man, hallelujah. I got a, but I plugged in a couple of those. If you're sitting next to them, you might smell them. Smell a little bit like coconut or something like that. And uh, so when you smell it, what do you think about? If you're sitting over there next to it where Jason is, you probably think about the beach. Because it's got a beach smell. It's got a coconut smell and a, a pineapple smell. And so everything that's got a smell, we have an association with it. If I'd have got the pine tree scent, you'd have thought about Christmas time. Cinnamon, those sorts of things. You see how so many things are tied in your mind to how you smell. Well, immediately when Mary broke open this box of Spikner, this ointment, uh, it was to be used, Brother Neil, just a little dab. It wasn't to be used the whole box at a time. But when she broke it open, buddy, the whole smell filled the room. And somebody said, mmm, smell that Spikner. I've never smelt so much Spikner in one place. What's she doing? Somebody said she's over there worshiping the Lord. And the fragrance filled the house. If I'd have got enough of them and plugged them up, you'd have seen what I was talking about. 
You might not be able to see them or hear them, but you can smell them because a fragrance will absolutely permeate and fill the house. And did you know a fragrance will stay after everything else is gone? If you don't believe that, get you an old tomcat. Let him pee on something. Then you tell me if the fragrance won't stay long after the tomcat's gone. It'll stay after the tomcat's dead and gone. Amen. You still smell where he's been. And so there's that fragrance. And they smelled it, and it was her worship. She was worshiping the Lord, and it made a sweet-smelling savor. I don't know about you, but I sure would like for my life to be a sweet-smelling savor of worship to God. I'd like people to be able to walk in the church house and go, somebody's worshiping the Lord. There's something different in this place tonight. Somebody done got it to feed of Jesus. Somebody done got a hold of the Lord. And somebody's a worshiping God. Wouldn't you like that to be true about you? Boy, I... The older I get and the longer I go at this thing, Brother Neil, the more value I see in just being in his presence. Just getting at his feet. So I'm going to give you three simple applications tonight. Three little applications. If you'll use them in your life, I believe you might be able to get at his feet. And I'm going to tell you something. We live in a world of empty promises, empty dreams, But Jesus will never fail you. There's nothing like worshiping Him. You know, I was watching this afternoon. They're showing all them things that they told us during COVID that they've now discovered was not true any of the time. You know, come to find out masks didn't stop nothing. Come to find out it came out of a lab. I thought I could have told them that day one. They didn't pay no attention to me. Found out that... uh, and, you know, there's just a ton of different things. That, that natural immunity is just as good or even better than taking the shot. All of them things that, you know, all of us with the horse sense was telling them when that was happening. And they's going, oh, no, trust the science. You see, this world is full of people you can't believe. But Jesus, He's never changed. He's worthy of our belief. He's worthy of our praise. Boy, if I can get at his feet tonight and just say, Lord, you're King of kings and Lord of lords and you're always right and you're never wrong. Boy, it would be worth it all if I could just get at his feet a little while tonight. I want to give you three things. It was personal, Brother Billy, and imminent, or intimate. Now, let me tell you how I know that. Let me tell you how I know it was personal. Number one, I know it, Brother Bobby, because of the place they were at. They were at home. This worship, Brother Neil, didn't happen down at the temple. It didn't happen down at the synagogue. It happened in someone's home. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Now I'm going to make a statement right here, and I hope you'll understand what I'm about to say. A lot of you don't worship God at church because you've never worshipped Him at home. <laughs> If you really want a good worship experience at church, then you need to get your worship experience at the house nailed down. Uh, 
If, if you've got your, I was just looking here to make sure, if you've got your worship experience nailed down at home, Brother Neil, what you'll find is you don't have to be pumped and primed once you get to the church house. If we'd worship God at home, Miss Jen, we'd walk in that back door worshiping God. If we'd get at his feet at the house, we'd come in the church house and everybody would want to just get at the feet of Jesus. What kind of service would we have Sunday if everybody came in here in a spirit of worshiping the Lord? You'd been at his feet all week. You'd been worshiping. Boy, don't tell me what kind of service we'd have. We'd all get in here together and feel like worshiping and getting at his feet. Boy, it'd blow out. We'd have to kick our stobs out. Revival would break out if we'd just get to worshiping him down at the house. Let me tell you something interesting about that. They were at Bethany, but they weren't at Mary and Martha's house. Mark records this same story, and he tells us whose house they were in. They were in Simon the leper's house. Now, Simon the leper's an interesting character. You know why he's interesting? It's because nobody knows who he was. There's a lot of supposition about who he could have been, but this we know... He at one time had leprosy, but he didn't have it anymore because they wouldn't have been allowed to have come into his house if he still had leprosy. Now, this is all for free right here. This is just my way of thinking. I can't help but think that maybe Simon the leper was that one that came back. <laughs> I can't help but think that Simon the leper was that one out of the ten that came back and said, thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you, Lord. And now, a week prior to our Lord's crucifixion, there they are in Simon the leper's house, and he's fixing him a supper, and he's having him for fellowship, and worship's going on, sitting around the table. Is a man that had had leprosy that the Lord had healed, a man that had been dead that the Lord had raised, and sinners that were dead and in trespasses and sins who the Lord had saved and boy they're in an atmosphere of worship they just want to worship the Lord real personal worship brother Billy you'll know it by its place some people never want to worship God unless it's a public place they want to be known for their much speaking. But real worship starts down at the house. Let me ask you a question tonight. When was the last time that you just read and studied your Bible at home and felt the Holy Ghost fill your heart and you spent some time worshiping Him? I did it this morning at work. You can worship the Lord at work. Read your Bible and the Holy Spirit goes to stern in your heart. I was talking to Jeremy Simpson today and boy, they've got a revival brewing there thanks to Calvary. And I said, boy, I'm glad to hear that. He said, well, it's been started about six months. He said, about six months ago, a bunch of my people got serious about reading their Bible every day and praying and seeking God. And he said, son, I'm telling you, ever since they got to reading their Bible and getting serious and praying and seeking God, he said, first thing I know, it started, started climbing and climbing and climbing. God got to doing things. And I'm telling you, it works. I'm telling you, it works. The way of the transgressor is hard. 
I'm going to make this statement. I, every morning, Brother Billy, I do the pickup at school. And so I open all them car doors, let them kids out. Good morning, how are you? You know, try to interact with them kids. I see parents come through that don't know God. You open up their car, and it looks like something's exploded inside of it. Now, I'm not the neatest guy on the planet, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about this nastiness. Them kids roll out of that car. They ain't had no sleep. They're wiping their eyes. I'm telling you, it pays to serve God. You better listen to what I'm telling you. And that's 90% of them children that are let off. 90% of them are in that shape. They got no parents. Their parents are out living for the devil. Their parents, all they care about is partying and a good time. And them kids are paying the price for bad decisions for mom and daddy. You can ask Rachel. When, I, when, when we grew up, we didn't have no self-contained units. They've got jail at Burnsville Elementary, basically. they got a jail there that they keep kids in because they're too unruly to be in, in, in school. We didn't have that when I was a kid. But society has degraded and degraded, and we've thrown away the Bible, and we've quit praying, and we've made fun of church, and we've mocked everything about God. And now our little kids are paying the price for a decision that society has made. But every now and again, there'll be a parent come through and you'll open up the door and say, good morning. That little kid's bright-eyed. Good morning, Mr. Boone. Jump out, high-five, ready to go to school. Cars all need, everything looks good, and you look there laying in the back seats of Bible. You know what the difference between them cars is? Is that one car load knows the Lord and the other car don't. Hey, one car, Jesus has visited their house. The other car don't know anything about the Lord. I'm going to tell you what this Bible said. The Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard. The devil paints a good picture. Every one of them parents that are in that mess, they started off thinking it's going to be fun. They started off thinking it sounded like a good time. Now their family's falling apart and their kids are all to pieces and everything's in shambles. Why? Because the Bible said that the way of the transgressor is hard, but it's, sir, it pays to serve Jesus. Amen. Woo, I'm glad to be saved tonight. I'm glad to be one of his blood-washed crowd. I'm glad to get to his feet every now and again and worship him. I'm glad to be bought with a price and know my Savior. It's a place. But then, not only was there a place, but there was a price. A price. That thing that she opened was very costly. I've read in some places it was a year's salary to buy that box of spikes. A year's salary. If you figure the median income's $50,000, you can figure that these days it would cost about $50,000 to buy this box of spikenard. I'm going to make a statement right here and you listen to what I'm about to say. You'll never worship God as long as you're counting the cost. You don't really get to worshiping the Lord until you quit counting the cost. <laughs> 
I know people try to worship the Lord, but they're thinking in the back of their mind, how much is this going to cost me? And they can't worship the Lord. It is in, it's not until you abandon all that and you quit calculating and you quit thinking about it and you just say, Jesus, I want you to have it all. There was a price. You remember Ornan in the Old Testament? You, have you read about Ornan yet in the Chronicles? Ornan had that field and he wanted to sell it. He wanted, he's going to give it to David. His threshing floor, he's going to give it to David for a temple. What did David say? He said, I'll not make a gift to the Lord out of something that costs me nothing. He said, I'll pay the price because I'm going to give it to the Lord and it wouldn't be a gift if it didn't cost me anything. Uh, hey, she walked in there that day. Uh, there was that box of ointment. Uh, she broke it and got all that ointment out uh, and began. Now I want you to think about something. You know what that ointment, you know what that ointment was used for? Anybody know? Hmm? Anoint the dead. And you know why that matters? You know why that matters? Because her brother had just died. Bobby, why why didn't she put that on Lazarus? Because she's saving it for Jesus. Now I'm going to give you a little insight on that you might not have ever thought about. Martha, Martha, when Lazarus was dead, what'd she say? Surely he stinketh by now. I just wonder if that wasn't a cut at Mary. Because Martha knew she had that box of ointment at home and she could have anointed Lazarus with it. But she didn't and now her brother's laying in the grave stinking because she didn't, she didn't, she's saving that box for something. You know what she's saving it for? A bigger purpose. She wasn't going to put it on somebody dead. She was going to put it on somebody that was the way, the truth, and the life. She was going to anoint one that's going to die for her sins. He was more important than her family. He was more important than everybody. She come walking in there with that box and broke that box very costly. Now watch this. Her worship brought out the best in her. but it brought out the worst in Judas. That's always the case. You let somebody really worship God, it'll bring out the very best in them. They'll be the best and purest and feel the best that they've ever felt. They'll have a smile on their face. They'll be radiating and glowing. They'll feel like a million bucks. They, they've got a peace in their heart that passeth all understanding. But you let somebody down the pew from them, watch them worship, and it'll bring out the worst in that person. Now, they'll say, I don't know about all that holy rolling business. Uh, that's a little out there for me, if you ask me. Uh, you ought to not get so out there. Uh, and that's the kind to think. See, it brought out the very worst in Judas. He said, we could have given this money to the poor. Judas didn't care anything about the poor. He wouldn't give it to the poor if he'd had it. He just wanted to keep it. He wanted to hold the bag. Real worship always involves a price. Always. Always. And it may not be monetary. God may ask you to worship in such a way that embarrasses you, and that's your price that you got to pay. <laughs> I remember one time I was in Walmart. We was having revival. And I'd been fasting and praying that God would meet with us that night in revival. And I was on the aisle of Walmart, and God said, why don't you sing a song? So I said, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" 
He said, a little louder. I said, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. He said, louder than that. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to trust Him at His word. I come walking around the side. There's a little old lady standing on the next aisle over, a wiping tears. <laughs> and she said, you don't know how bad I needed to hear that today. <laughs> well, she got to worshiping, and I got to worshiping. And the Lord said, why don't you shout? I said, on the aisle at Walmart, Lord, this ain't the place to shout. I'll shout tonight at church. The Lord said, you won't shout at church, you won't shout at Walmart. And so I went, whoo! He said, you can do better than that. And so I said, whoo, I'm glad Jesus saves. And then I said, all right, let's get out of here. I, I don't know what else he's going to ask me to do. We gone. <laughs> That's all I can take. But you know what happened that night? One of the greatest services we ever had. It's Concord Baptist Church. About eight got saved. I'm telling you, it was, it was off the hook good. Up in the old building years ago. Off the hook good. What I'm simply saying is, sometimes it costs you something. Sometimes it'll cost you money to worship God. Sometimes it'll cost you your comfortable spot to worship God. Sometimes it'll cost you your pride if you're going to worship God. It might embarrass you what you'd have to do in order to worship God. The flesh don't want to do that. The flesh don't want to say, well, glory to God, I'm glad I'm saved. Hallelujah. David Williams and I, <laughs> we went and delivered Bibles a few weeks ago in Rutherford County. We come back up the road, Brother Bobby, and David said, oh, right there's a gun store if you ever got down here and got time to stop. I said, I might not never be back down here. So we turned around and went to the gun store. He said, now this fellow that owns it, you're going to love him. He's some kind of Navy SEAL. Well, what he was was a Marine gunner. And we walked in, son, and you ain't never heard such a roll of language in all your life. I mean, son, peeled my eyeballs back. That's with our 10-8 ministry shirt on. I was like, whoo, whoo, whoo. He used, he used the bad word as a noun and as a verb and as an adjective. I never, I've been around some people that could cuss, but not anybody would hold this fella a lot. He got done with his oath. He looked at us and he said, what are you boys doing down here? David said, we're down here delivering Bibles. <laughs> well, he, that, that, that hurt his talking bad after that. He's tried to clean his talk up, have his talk up. I'll be honest with you, when he said, well, you boys down here, doing down here, I wouldn't be like Ray Stevens and say, we're loggers. <laughs> we just come in from Coos Bay, Oregon. Possibly the toughest men you've ever met. But David said, we're down here delivering Bibles. I thought, yeah, amen. That's what we ought to have said right there, amen. That ought to be a shame, see. Sometimes, it, sometimes it's hard though, right? Your flesh like, oh, not right now. Don't say anything right now. That'd be embarrassing. Don't, don't do anything. Just keep your mouth shut right here. 
I, I don't know about you, but that's how I, that's my flesh. That's how my flesh says. Cost a price. All right, so there's a place, there's a price, but then lastly, in this thing of being personal, there was a passion to it. You know what she did? She took her hair down. Now that's important because Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians that a woman's glory is her hair. And so she took her glory (laughs) and she wiped the lowest part of our Lord's body. In other words, she's saying, my glory is under your feet, Lord. She's saying, I'm nothing. You're everything. I don't deserve it. You deserve it all. You'll never worship the Lord if you feel like you've arrived. I don't know if Brother Neil remembers that night or not that I was talking about when the service broke out. Wayne Ormby's preaching. I was sitting on the right hand side over here and it got so heavy in there as not Rainus Hoover got saved. Lou Ann. I forget who all. I tried to get saved, but I done saved. And I got, it just got on me, this pressure. And I was crying. Y'all know who I, how I am. I was crying, worshiping God. And it's like somebody's just pushing me down, pushing me down. And I got plumbed down under the pew. Got to crawling around toward the altar. I'm telling you, it was the most unbelievable experience I believe I was ever in. I tell you what I didn't feel like doing. I, I didn't feel like standing up and saying, look at me. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm the best and I'm the greatest. No, I felt like getting down. Cause my best is filthy rags. I just want to get his feet and worship him. I ask you again tonight, church. When's the last time you just kicked the stobs out and worshiped him? You know, Susan, you got up there and sung that song Sunday. She sent me a message. I'm going to tell on you. She sent me a message the next day and she said, I'm sorry I messed up yesterday. You didn't mess up. Anytime that you can make an effort to get up, take your glory and put it at his feet. It don't matter if you got the words right. Ellis Ray used to make up words. He was the king of it. Am I not telling you right, Brother John? He'd sing old time religion with 64 verses in it. Nobody's, old time religion does not have 64 verses. Ellis say, it was good for the feller delivered my milk. It was good for the milkman. Hey man, just like it was one of the verses. He'd just go on and on. Hey, and you know what he'd say? He'd mess up and he'd say, well, I'd rather strike out for the Lord as to hit a home run for the devil, bless God. That's what it's all about. May not get it right, may not say it right. The flesh, a lot of times, stammers and stammers when it's time to worship. It's unaccustomed to it. 
just do your flesh in one time and say, you know what, I'm going to worship God anyhow. I don't care how this sounds. I, I, I don't care. I'm just, I want to take my glory and wipe his feet a little while. When's the last time? That's good. Brother Neil said this morning. I believe that. I believe that. When's the last time for you, really? I mean, let's just get right down to the brass tacks. When was the last time for you? Some of you, man, you're tuned in. You're dialed in. Today, you've worshipped the Lord. You've worshipped. You got at His feet today. Some of you can't remember the last time. I mean, let's just be honest. Some of you can't recall the last time that you really just got at His feet and worshipped Him. You can't recall it. Ain't that a shame? Ain't that a shame? Let's stand our feet. Father, we thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach today. I see conviction on some hearts, and I pray, God, that you touch hearts and move folks to an altar of repentance. God, if it had been a while for some folks, I pray, Lord, that you'd move them, Lord, that they could get at your feet tonight. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. These folks are gathering around the altar. Preacher, tonight, it's been a while for me. I've uh, not spent as much time at his feet as I should. Boy, I, I sure do need to do better about that. He's worthy of my worship, and I, I know that. I know that, preacher. I, I know he's worthy. Save my soul from hell. I, I get to go to heaven. It's kept my family in good shape. But it's been a while. It's been a little while since I've been at his feet. I, I've just not worshipped him like I ought to. God, help us, Lord, tonight. God, help us tonight. Bye, my. Lord.